This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome everyone to Hans Shot First. I'm Jeff, joined as usual by Scott and Alex. Say hello. Hello. Hey. This week we're talking about A Clockwork Orange. The feel-good movie of 1970 whenever this came out. A pop apologies. I forget how he says it. <laughs> Apologies. Yeah, this movie came out in 1971, directed by Stanley Kubrick, written by Stanley Kubrick. Uh, based on the novel by Anthony Burgess, starring Malcolm McDowell, Patrick McGee, Michael Bates, Darth Vader, and others. <laughs> Burgess, Burgess Meredith wrote this? Commodore Schmidt. Anthony Burgess. Um, Scott, this is your selection. Why don't you talk about it a little bit? So, uh, one of those movies that I'd always heard about, even when I was a kid, and... Uh, you know, people would always talk about it. I never quite got around to it. I'd, I'd always seen bits and pieces, and I and I knew the the gist of it. Um, but yeah, I, I probably watched it in the background. This is the first time I remember you know giving it my full attention, uh, watching it just now. Um, and I can I can see why it made its way into public consciousness. Um, you know, this was. And it, you said it, 1971. Uh, this had to be extremely <laughs> uh, divisive when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was rated X when it first came out. Yeah, I can see yeah. why. I mean, even by today's standards, like it's it's definitely pushing the envelope. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, this is my like, honestly my my first time giving it a, a watch from beginning to end. Really? Wow. All right, I'll go next. I obviously did not see this in the theaters. Um, I saw this is back when I started getting into DVDs and movies, and I watched it back then when I was watching Kubrick stuff. And I've always liked it. Didn't quite get it at times, and the more I watched it, uh, I get it. And whether it's good or bad, um, yeah, that's my history. But also, I'll say with most classic movies, the first uh, uh, introduction to it is through The Simpsons. If you remember the Santa's <laughs> yeah. Little Helper episode. Ooh, when... Honorable mention, Santa's Little Helper. <laughs> yeah, going through the same stuff. And so it was kind of funny when you see the real thing. Uh, but yeah, that's my history with it. Alex. I saw this years ago once, and then I just saw it right now. And I can honestly say I've seen it too, too many times. Oh, well, boy. one too many times. It's good to see it once, but this is one of those movies where it's like, it's 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 a big matzo ball. This thing. <laughs> what I what do you mean by that? It's it's the whole movie. I mean, it, I know th- that it's going for this, but there's just a whole general sense. It's just uncomfortable, and like you said, all the extreme sex and violence. I mean, within the context of the movie, some of it is you know gets toned down, but it's still like really in your face. Uh, shout outs to the cat lady. Yeah, <laughs> and her statue. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and I will say, I have seen this. I owned this at one point, although it was on HD DVD, so eek, lost that. <laughs> lost the ability to watch that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I forgot, like, when, let's just say when I know he gets rehabilitated, I was like, okay, this is almost over. I know that, you know, eventually he goes back and they knew they did him wrong and all that stuff. But then there was, like, another hour left, and I was like, crap, I don't remember this. So, like, even yeah. though I've seen it four or five times, it was it's still a lot of this was fresh for me. Um, so that maybe I try to block some of it out of my mind. I don't know. Or usually I watch it <laughs> yeah. late night and maybe not a hundred percent paying attention, but yeah. All right. With that being said, let's get into it. Uh, as usual, we each talk, pick seven items to talk about. Uh, Scott, why don't you lead us off? What's your number seven? Okay. Uh, where to start with this one? Um, at your number seven. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so there's a lot of iconic uh, imagery in this movie um and just some weird prop sets uh but I'll go ahead and start with the milk bar um <laughs> it's a weird thing um that I don't think they ever really explain it uh like the difference between that and going to a real bar um other than the idea being that they're in kind of a uh not post apocalyptic world but um Dystopian. Dystopian, thank you. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was showing up with. Some some odd dystopian future where you can't just go buy milk somewhere. Um, it's almost like a, a, a speakeasy type of deal. Um, yeah, just, well, they add, they add drugs to it. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, but just that the... that Yeah, it's not just regular alcohol. It's milk. Um, and that, that they're in the milk bar. It's just a weird way to start the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with zoomed in on his face, and then it pulls out, and he's got the the big glass of milk. Just uh, you know, one one of many iconic shots from the from the movie. Mm-hmm. That's my right. number seven. Uh, all right, Alex, what's your number seven? That great opening scene. <laughs> it okay. perfectly sets up like what you're in for. Uh, Alex, uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell great he does the the classic uh kubrick stare you know face tilted down a little bit with his eyes staring straight forward um it just zooms out and nobody's even moving really and there's there's almost no sound it's very awkward and weird and there's statues everywhere of naked ladies and then you see the you don't exactly know like uh, there's a reveal later on where the milk comes out of the ladies, you know, the statue's breasts. But you just see everybody just sitting there holding milk, and then you hear Malcolm McDowell's narration, and it's just, it's very attention grabbing. Mm-hmm. Very iconic scene. And I don't know if, it, what about the, up the, his eyelashes? Yeah, the one sided fake eyelashes. Yeah. Mm hmm. Oh, is that was that ever a thing? Is that just specific specific to this movie? Do you guys I'm pretty know? Sure, I'm pretty sure it's just I have no idea what was in the book. Okay. If that if something like that was mentioned in oh, the book, but yeah, me either. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> again more things that that the people remember from this movie. Yeah. All right, um number 7 and uh the only real negative I have of this movie is I could not understand um specifically his buddies. <laughs> 
And I know they're supposed to be like very cockneyed and very just idiots and they're talking over each other. But I almost any argument with him and his buddies, I had no idea what was going on other than, you know, they don't like the way they're treating him. He's trying to be alpha male. I get that out of it, but I couldn't understand anything. So, you know, yeah, but thankfully you don't really need to. Yeah. Yeah. That's essentially what it was. Yeah, I just still, I like I said, like, I want to know. <laughs> you said all their cockney idioms or whatever the hell they're saying. I have no idea. It was like cockney mixed with the Russian slang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my nigga. And there's a few other times. I want to say when the, I don't even know what you call that guy, the guidance counselor slash guy when he grabbed when he was on the bed with him and he was, much of some of the stuff he was saying I didn't quite get other than just, you know, just being as a corrective student and he doesn't want to look bad and all that stuff, but. So I could understand some stuff. That's usually me, but this time I think it's more than just me. So yep, that's my number seven, Scott. All right, uh, so my number six um, is just the the overall heightened world that they live in the the setting of uh, this uh, kind of dystopian, overly bureaucratic future um, where. Um, Society's been reduced to this, uh, these milk bars. <laughs> um, and then just everybody is, is trapped behind bureaucracy. Uh, you, it's not as bad as like a Brazil or something like that, uh, which would actually be kind of a good companion piece to this. Yeah. Um, just the whole time he's in prison, that, that's all bureaucracy. Like he gets handed off, um, to the hospital and just signing papers. Yeah, duplicate forms. Yeah, yeah. One more copy. Uh, yeah, like there's, there's just this line of doctors that he goes through in the movie. Um, like, some of it is borderline like humorous and some of it's just oppressive. Uh, mm-hmm. like I'm not, and I'm, I'm, I'm unclear on, <laughs> on how we as the audience are mostly supposed to take it. Yeah, some of it, especially with like the the prison warden or whatever, I was getting more humor out of it. It almost felt yeah, like, uh, yeah Doctor Strange Love type stuff. Yeah, I was. I think it was definitely that. supposed to be more funny than anything else. Um, the warden was so up to, or the the, the head guard, or whatever mm-hmm. chief. He was a stupid chief, uh, sort of stupid chief. No, yeah. they called him a chief. All right, all right. Well, Alex, number six. <laughs> Sorry, you couldn't understand everybody. Okay, yeah. Uh, my number six is the decor and the costuming really made you believe that this was like the not so distant future from um, the record place where he goes to shop and he picks up those two ladies. Yeah, a bit too easily, but whatever. And uh, the little micro tape that he has, and he puts it into the futuristic tape player just little little stuff like that but it also goes into like the absurd like when his parents are having breakfast in that wall of checkered mirrors and the mom has that plastic dress and the really bright purple hair uh, yeah just visually pretty awesome and it just juxtaposes all that colorful stuff with like the dreary outdoors um now the concrete buildings and you know, uh, what are we gonna 
all the litter and you know grime and graffiti that's all over the walls and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about his parents' flat or apartment, whatever the hell they call it over there. Like they all like it seems so small, so tiny. But like I'm going back and like thinking of like Simon Pegg movies and stuff. That's, they're all small like that, aren't they? Like I, I, I got to go to. Yeah. <laughs> London or England one of these days again. I'd actually go. I went to all the touristy stuff. I didn't actually go into anyone's. So you didn't break into anybody's house. Yeah. So, yeah. so like, like a two bedroom apartment. I guess, but like it's so small. Like that living room and the kitchen. Like everything seems so small. And I was like, but I've seen this before, and I think it's from like other English. So it must be that's how it is over there. But it just seems so tiny. I don't know. I know we have some listeners over there. Tell us, is this a good representation <laughs> of... Or, or if anybody here lives in a tiny apartment. I don't know. But I, I know people live in tiny... There's something there, just maybe just because of the way it's filmed, but it just seems so small and so it is, like, rectangular. It, it, it and, is claustrophobic. The, the apartment yeah, does feel yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, my number six is... The eating at the end, because that was one of the things I remember, just him opening his mouth, you know, <laughs> just toying with this guy. Oh, I freaking love it. And this I, because it's something I definitely remember, like, I know I know how this movie ends. <laughs> I remember that part. Some of the stuff in the middle I forgot. And that him definitely eating and him getting treated right and then him being kind of brainwashed into having good thoughts this time <laughs> when he hits the violence. I loved all that. But specifically the eating. I love that. Just the facial expressions in this movie. Um, when he was eating, it just cracked me up. He would be like two bites into his current piece and not already opening his mouth. You just leave his mouth open. Yeah. yeah. Just waiting. Wait, here comes the airplane. So uh, that's it. The eating at the end. Uh, <laughs> that's my number six. Scott, number five? Yeah. Number five. Uh thing Jeff hated. The... Uh... All the slang narration. Um, I love some of the some of the terms he uses. I like uh, the narration. Uh, the eggy waggies. The what he says for steak. The uh, it was almost it's very similar like steak eggies. Um, ow, the the droogs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I think is supposed to be drudges. I mean, it's like slang for drudges. I, I, I don't know, stooges. Um, the uh, what? What does he call like just random dudes? Um, brother. We call them brother, but um, jabronis. Chill. Cool word. Chill. I forget now. Anyway, the the uh, the the slang narration and all the the, the just the way they talk. They're gonna do the in and out. Yeah, doing the doing the in and out. That's what the hamburger's all about. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the him just explaining everything, just the inflection, and you're you're not quite sure if it's gonna be one of those things where, all right, this is the end. Uh, this is him, like his ghost telling the story, or whatever. Like, nope, this is the real thing. This is how it ends. He doesn't learn anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I do like even when he's narrating. Of course I survive. That's why I'm able to tell you this story. <laughs> yeah. All right, Alex, number five. Um, 
kind of along the same lines as Scott. I loved all the speeches, but I'm going to go more into the characters were fantastic in this. Everybody was over the top when in the real world. And then, except for the chief, things get kind of a little bit, even in Alex's character, they get toned down when they're in prison. And his time there is very uh, monochromatic, very one, you know, one note. Just going through the motions, sucking up to the chaplain so that he can get into this program and whatnot. So he's, you know, behaving. And it's awesome to see that uh, once he gets back out into the real world, then he's acting out again. Then things get a little bit more uh, colorful. Everybody starts chewing on scenery once again. So I like that. Okay. All right. Uh, my number five is kind of a, a little bit along those lines, but it's is he talks about. So you see him, right? He goes to the prison, and it kind of flashes flashes forward, and they're doing some Bible stuff, and he's like, "I re- I started reading the big book or whatever, and I liked it." But then you find out like what he likes about it. And that, <laughs> yeah. that was pretty good. Like you see Jesus walking down the streets, and he, he's the one whipping him, and yeah, he loved wanting to be dressed up like a Roman soldier, and he's getting all the bad. <laughs> stuff out of it it's too preachy i like the beginning and uh getting fed grapes and all that stuff so i thought that was a cool little uh trick twist like oh maybe he found the lord nope nope um so uh, that's mine his twisted interest in the bible is my number five scott okay so uh, my number four is uh the 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 constant use of uh, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, Fourth Movement. Damn it! Yeah, that's all right. I'll just say that's my number four, and we'll move on. <laughs> um, I love that he keeps just calling him Ludwig Van. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, he tries to spell Beethoven out for the woman, and she's like, "No, no, that's fine." <laughs> <laughs> she's taking notes. Um, Beethoven. Be- Beethoven. Beethoven. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I I gotta say, I'm not I'm not quite a fan of the synth. <laughs> Like I, I kind of found that really obnoxious, but I, oh. but but I pictured it like how he was hearing it in his head, kind of like because he oh, he's just weird. that obnoxious himself. Um, and then they have, but they have the different versions throughout the the movie, um, and it it is, it is interesting that for him uh, being such a sociopath that he still latches on to this this piece of music, which is. You know, I'm. I don't know much about classical music or, or, or really music in general. If, if you <laughs> if you want to get into it, but you know, it, Beethoven's Ninth is like uh, it's a, it's an incredibly powerful piece of music. Um, mm. So even him, like with no real empathy, uh, is still able to, to to have an emotional attachment to this piece of music. So I thought that was interesting. Like it's almost like one redeeming quality, really. That redeems him that he likes music. No, it's an almost, almost redeeming, almost, almost oh, okay. is one, yeah. almost that, is one that, redeeming quality that that yeah. that he's like, um, that you know something you can relate to with him uh, is this piece of music. And then again, it's it's throughout the whole thing and the the whole crescendo at the end uh, works very well. Uh, so yeah, Ludwig van number four. All right, Alex, you're saying the same thing. Uh, yeah, but. Also, just the rest of the music that Kubrick uses in the film is fantastic. Uh, 
like when they're going out and doing the ultra violence it was very light classical music especially when they get to um home as the sign says on the outside that's all lit up like they're racing down the streets and everything and off to the races that he uses for the fast motion yeah, orgy. The, the William Tell. Yeah. Overture, yeah. That's the one. Thank you. Uh, so, Jinx. yeah, just overall. <laughs> overall, great use of uh, music in this movie. Even the synth score. I like it. All right. It's clean and sweet. My number four was the music overall. Yeah, just lots of classical good music in this movie. So... Uh, did you notice when he was in the record shop, the 2001 Space Odyssey? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I, did. I did see that, too. That Kubrick. The guy was a whore. And did you see that there was all sorts of signs saying that we faked the moon landing in there, too? Oh, really? I didn't see that. I didn't catch those. No, that's you haven't seen it? That's in The Shining. There's a whole documentary about that oh, room... You guys haven't watched that? There was a, watch this documentary. I'll have to find it and get it to you guys. There's a documentary on The Shining about how Kubrick was subliminal messages all over the place in that movie. And one being <laughs> the fake mood landing. Because <laughs> remember, the rumor is that he's the one who filmed it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's go on number three, Scott. Uh, number three, we talked a little bit about this already, but the sociopathic fantasies that he has uh, are great. Um, you know, especially the, 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 the crucifixion one. <laughs> yeah. And he talks about how he wanted, he, so it shows him like camera pans out and he's the one whipping him, which is pretty funny. Um, but then he goes on to say that, you know, he wanted to be the one to like nail him to the cross personally. And then, yeah, all the boring stuff later in the Bible. And then he goes back to him like in a, not in Roman garb necessarily, but the, it doing combat with somebody's enemies and then laying with the chambermaids of his, like his enemies or whatever. Wait, I forget the exact line. Uh, yeah. That that seems pretty funny too because he just keeps looking over at their tits mm-hmm. <laughs> as they feed him grapes. <laughs> um, like him, uh, I I couldn't tell um, when they were, were doing the therapy for the first movie if he was putting himself in that or they would just happen to be dressed like the way that he dresses. I oh, think yeah. that there's enough gangs. That you see around with very drastically colorful outfits that uh, they might have that might have been just whatever they dressed as. So it was unclear on that, but um... yeah, I think this is kind of like the Warriors, where every gang has a very distinctive <laughs> yeah. look. Baseball furies. Uh, mm-hmm. The and then the, you know, the last shot at the end, where he imagines having sex in front of a, a like a clapping, cheering crowd. <laughs> All, all whilst the the little van's going on, uh, yeah, it just keeps going back and forth, just kind of show, like again, just his total lack of <laughs> awareness and empathy. But okay, so but that is he's been brainwashed. They re- they reversed it, right? Because the guy says we gave you a gift. We heard you like music. So that's what I took. I've always taken from that scene. No, I took from that last scene. Yeah, yeah. That that the way I took it was that, like, I don't know if it was the fall. Um, or something else they did in the in the hospital. Um, maybe they like using some other drugs to reverse it. I don't know, but yeah. he was back to normal basically. That's why he's so giddy when they're when he's taking like the pseudo Rorschach test. Right, yeah. but I think 
So he had that dream that they were operating on him, right? So they were operating on him. This is how I took it. Yeah, they were the, the, operating on him. They yeah, they were poking. Around, yeah, they were poking around his but, brain. Yeah. But I still think they planted something in there—the opposite of him feeling pain when they play that music to him getting pleasure. So I don't think that uh, was all him. Maybe yeah. You know what? You could could very well be right. Um, either and way, so, it removed at least his inhibitions about about sex. Yeah. Anyway, about that song mm-hmm. and sex and. <laughs> yeah. Because he even said, I heard you like music. And then he said, I hope you're going to like this or something. So I think they did that on purpose. But okay. maybe not. These Kubrick movies, you'll never know. Um, all right. <laughs> Somebody should Alex, ask number that three. Yeah. Uh, my number three is when his droogs try and actually give him an, a, hey, we're tired of all this small time shit. Let's go for a big score. And he's like, oh, they're getting uppity. And he gives them that slow motion beat down. <laughs> that's, that's one of those things. Yeah. I, yeah, go ahead, Oxy. No, it's just fantastic. They're just walking down the street. Okay, let's go to the milk bar. Let's hear about this plan. And on the way there, he just, without warning, just nails the dude in, uh, is it not uh, Dim, but the other guy? Georgie? Yeah. Georgie. Square in the balls, even with a guard, that's got to hurt. That's just like a jock strap, so there really wasn't much protection there. Yeah, and then he kicks him into the water. And then, uh, who's the other guy that doesn't talk much? Steve? Steven? Stevie? I don't remember. I'm not sure. But anyway, he runs off because he's not having any of this shit. And Dim tries to chain him and he gets his ass kicked. And then he knifes when he's <laughs> calling for help. Getting, I mean, the water's only waist deep, but, <laughs> but he still felt like he was drowning. Or at least it looked like that. And he knifes his hand and cuts him up. And there was no, you know, sound effects or anything. It was just... Again, great use of music in slow motion. It was beautifully shot. And just accentuated, like, the horrific beatdown that it, that it gave him. Yeah, and then in the milk bar afterwards, hey, we're all square, right? We're good. Yeah. That was like a regular restaurant there. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the milk bar. Isn't that where his mom worked? Because I thought the ladies was stre- were dressed. Looked the waitresses. like. I couldn't. At first, I thought it might have been her, but then I thought yeah. that just must be. Like a common fashion thing. Even the psychiatrist yeah. at the end has like that purple hair. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we're all square, eh? So, what is this, you know, thing you wanted to do? It was a bit, the great cat lady keeper. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, my number three is, uh, it's, it's horrifying to watch, but it's a great, it's just, like I have to have it on here. It's the scene in the rain rape scene. Ugh. Ugh. It's yeah. brutal, but it's memorable. And it's just, I don't know. It's There's something about it that, I, that's another scene I definitely remember. Just breaking into this person's house, just <laughs> restraining the guy while they just rape his wife. Or, oh, it was terrible. Yeah, it's, and just singing in the rain. And yeah, it's, it's, it's it's wildly uncomfortable. If And I think if not for the scene later on when he sings that song in the bathtub, yeah, the guy's house again. Yeah. That that it kind of ties together why that was in the movie. Um, otherwise, it's just excessive. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's other scenes in this movie that are excessive. Too. Well, right, right. But <laughs> I, I I think that scene is the worst one though. It is. It's definitely. It's just it's just he's singing such a nice song while he's raping this woman and. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awful. But it's a very memorable scene from the movie, and uh, it's. I don't know. I have to put it on my list. So that's number three. Out, uh, Scott, number two. Number two is the 
the uh, Alex is number three, the dock walk. Uh, they're walking next to the water. Um, it's it's a weird thing because again, <laughs> I think it's it's filmed in such a way that that it's supposed to be kind of funny at least initially. But the the whole point of the movie is how horrible violence actually is. Well, not, well, it's not the whole point of the movie, but the the point of all the violence in the movie is that you know it is supposed to be disturbing. Um, but in this one scene, yeah, it's just fucking hilarious. It reminded me of Jackass. Like slow motion, yeah. just out of nowhere, swings the king into the dude's junk, and then kicks him into the water. Um, and the the narration that sets it up is great too. When he when he says, "But I knew what I had to do." And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> the cane comes out in slow motion. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, it's brutal. But, like, all the things Alex were saying, um, you know, it, it I, I don't know, if, again, that we're supposed to enjoy it as much as we did. <laughs> it's the sign of the time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's my number two. And that, I, I feel like that scene's been kind of parodied a lot as well. <laughs> the um, South Park scene is freaking fantastic. South Park, um where they're all superheroes. The Coon. <laughs> uh, Cartman as the Coon. Again, Jackass. Uh, yeah. Felt oh, yeah. like. Uh, but, yeah, it's another iconic scene. All right, Alex, number two. My other number two is the Ludovico technique, which is horrifying. Uh, I didn't before I watched this movie the first time years and years ago. That's all I knew about the movie is just that image of the clamps going on his eyes and they're putting what you know eye drops every few seconds on his eyeballs because he can't close them. That whole setup is just Chivas H. It's horrifying. It props to Malcolm McDowell for <laughs> yeah committing. I guess. The, I hope he did that in like one day of shooting, and then he never had to do that ever again. Um, the, <laughs> I hope well, they the, didn't call him in for reshoots. Well, the trivia was they did fuck up one of his eyes, or like they scratched his cornea, Oof. and and the uh, the guy putting the eye drops in is an actual doctor, like uh, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, I really, I really hope that they got a doctor to do all that stuff. Yeah, so so they he really did need need that, like even even when he was like. Uh, filming, but yeah, that guy was like a real doctor. But yeah, they did fuck up his eye. Yeah, because those clamps are really going in there. That wasn't CGI. That wasn't makeup. Uh-huh. Isn't Kubrick kind of known for being addicted to his actors? Yes, like yes. Shelley Duvall and The yes. Shining and stuff. Yeah, like that. he he doesn't care. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. He wants he gets... the shot. He care less what's happening to the. But I mean, that's, that's some, I don't know if that's just acting or McDowell's just that tough. But like, he doesn't even squirm when they're putting the clamps in. At least for that take. Yeah, right. I know. I was like, holy shit. It's like um, uh, Norman Bates. Uh, oh, with the fly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Or or Belloc. Also with the fly. <laughs> 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 uh, just it's, it's, you it's real acting. You want to see it as much as I do. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, my number two is kind of the intro of the gang. So you guys kind of talked about it at the beginning, the opening shot, but then them just seeing the way they're dressed, walking through town, uh, beating up on the old uh, man into the bridge, uh, getting into another a fight with another rival gang who's raping a woman, uh, and then I guess it goes to the they get the, they steal the car, they're driving to the car, and then they get to the singing in the rain scene. But just the whole intro of them, I thought was 
it's cool. And the way he shoots everything in this movie. And that's just an honorable mention. Every shot in this thing, I think, is really great. But yeah. the intro to the gang and the guys. Yeah, the, really the, the, the cinematography in this is so, like, it feels so stark and uh, dry. So, I, I don't know, it feels like everything feels very claustrophobic again. Like, very isolated. Yeah. Uh, and he does. He has, some, he has some cool shots too, like where he's trying to do some interesting things, like with the giant dildo, <laughs> where the camera's panning around. Yeah. There's there's a there's like a fisheye long shot in the hospital that's kind of cool. Um. Yeah, them having yeah. it up in front of the 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 screen though when they're driving. Yeah. I love yeah, all Kub- that. Kubrick filmed a lot of it with uh, a lot of wide-angle lenses, actually. Right. So for to do that with wide angle lenses and still get like a very claustrophobic and isolated feel to this dystopian world is yeah pretty impressive. Yeah. Do you guys <laughs> remember when Nick dressed up as uh, Alex for uh, Halloween one year? <laughs> I don't know. I know Wade did it. I don't know if that was like, one year parties. Yeah, I don't remember. Well, maybe it was Wade. I thought it was Nick, but maybe it was. Did they have the jock strap on too. the outside? Might have both done it. So maybe yeah, maybe they both yeah. did it, but yeah, it's good good costumes. Yeah, yeah big boy did it. Big, <laughs> big boy, boy did, did it. it. All right, uh, Scott, number one. Number one is the uh, Ludovico technique. Um, you know, if there is, I don't think there's like an AFI scenes <laughs> uh, or moments or, or whatever. But if there, if there was like a top, and and here's here's a crazy thing: is this this is an American film, right? Like. This is is Clock Orange on the AFI top one hundred? Oh yeah. But I don't know there's like no that. Americans. <laughs> yeah. Um at at any rate, um that that shot like I, 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 if you were gonna pick like a shot or a moment from a movie and put it in the top one hundred list, like him sitting down in the front row, uh, with the clamps on and seeing him watch the movie, uh um, Him vidy the film. Yeah, vidying. Yeah, taking a vid. Um, yeah, like out of all the things in the movie, I, again maybe, again the shot of him in the beginning, uh, comes close. But yeah, like this is uh, like quintessential, like montage material kind of stuff. Um, that that's instantly recognizable. Um, but the, the the whole scene though. Is so brutal, um, and again, this is a, a, a credit goes to McDowell and, and the direction here in the film in the cinematography. Like you, you actually squirm to see this happen to him, even though you know he's still a horrible little shit. Um, mm-hmm. Like, so you still like no, no, stop! Like really, like you want them like as the audience, you want them to stop, uh, which is I think again is is part of the point. Of what's going on, but uh, yeah, that that whole sequence. Um, the my my one kind of gripe about the the whole thing about how it's supposed to make him sick. They should have had him like barf for real at least once. Otherwise, it just started to feel like it was just him like like just yeah. making noises. Um, yeah, he they should they should have had him vomit at least one time. Just saying, they didn't have to show it. Like just have the sound or something. I don't know, but. They showed everything else in this movie. Yeah, you know? yeah, they can show some vomit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah. The FYI about the AFI, it's number forty-six. Okay. Yeah. How is this an American film? <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess. I guess it's who made the money, who paid for it. Yeah, that's true. It was, it was Warner <laughs> Brothers. Oh, I can tell you what Warner Brothers didn't spend money on the credits. <laughs> yep. Holy shit! <laughs> I realize this is nineteen seventy-one, but whew, they could have spent a little bit more on that. Nah. All right, Alex, number one. My number one is Alex Delage. Just his whole character is awesome. He's such a he's a villain. He's the protagonist of this film, but he's a villain and he's fantastic. It's just a sociopath. He beats a, he he pretty much treats his his gang his droogs just like dogs. He beats them when they get out of line. Then he shows them like kindness. Well, they're all sociopaths they, too, so fuck them. Yeah, they turn on him and whatnot. Him going in jail and just being subdued. Really sucking up to um, trying to fool everybody, and then at the end, when he's after a suicide attempt, that he's with the the minister of defense, minister of something interior. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, just like Jeff said, he was hamming it up when he was eating, and he he knew that his scam, even though it didn't quite go as he planned, it worked in the end. He's out of jail. He didn't do his full fourteen years. He's deprogrammed, and uh, he's still a sociopath. I mean, he didn't... People... You can't just reprogram people like that. They're still going to be who they are. He he comes out... <laughs> he basically wins. <laughs> yeah. not, not, not really through, like, anything particularly clever that he did, but... No. And I even yeah. like the fact they brought up... Even to say it was successful, like the, what the priest was saying, like, that's not... If you can't make any real choices, then what the hell is that anyway? Like, I do yeah, like they you, brought that up. You cease to be a man when you don't make a yeah. choice. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Uh, my number one, you guys already mentioned it. I already forgot the ter- term. I have eyelid scene. The, <laughs> the, the programming of Alex. All that, the most iconic stuff. Like I said, I, I was expecting to see a dog get kicked in the butt with, and then a uh, bowl <laughs> get kicked. A guy, a guy. <laughs> Guy taking the football to the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> a mailman getting mauled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just that. And that was. It's putting those clips in his eyes. Like, if I thought, if there's a context and you watch a movie is one thing. Like, if this was a horror movie and you, I couldn't watch it because I, oh, no, something's going to stab him in the eye. Like, I know that's not going to happen in this movie, but like, ugh. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you guys have already covered it. That was, was awesome. All right. Uh, any honorable mentions? I have a couple. I just know that, that I just know that Alex is a real piece of shit. <laughs> yep. I'm waiting for it. You are. <laughs> oh yeah, him too. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Well, I want to <laughs> say for two weeks in a row, Victor Maitland was in a movie. Did you guys see him? Oh, where was he? He was one of the detectives. Huh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, uh, he was in it. Um, I mentioned Darth Vader at the beginning, but if you guys didn't know, the big buff dude with the guy in the wheelchair at the end, that's David Prowse, yep. Darth Vader. What? <laughs> and 
And the the montage sex scene cracked me up with the two girls in the record store, just because like he's done with one, she's getting dressed, and then yeah, he won't let him leave. Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you see him undressing her and doing it all over again, and then he gets the other girl. Like, oh, that's cracking me up. Uh, so yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Yeah, I guess... honorable mentions to the only other scene that comes close to the Ludovico is in Street Fighter the movie when Blanca is getting programmed. <laughs> it's just as horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, By Doctor Dalsim. <laughs> the fucking movie. Yeah, the, yeah, I already mentioned the the costuming. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, that, when what's that little pod that the guy, the writer, the old? Uh, I want to say he's the guy from Ace Ventura, but it isn't. The uh, what's his face? You know, the singing in the rain guy. Yeah. It's like, who's supposed that could be? And they slowly pan over to his wife, and she's like in a pod. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the future. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny that, yeah. like, later in the movie, and he goes, it pans over again, and it's David Prowse. <laughs> He's flipped mm-hmm. at rates. Yeah, the guy's fucking huge. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's rate it. Uh, as normal, we rate it on a scale of one to seven, seven being perfection, one being absolute garbage. So, Scott, where would you put this? Whew. Uh,. It's kind of tough. Um, this this is an, an iconic movie, though. Um, there's, there's a lot of unique stuff going on here. A lot of it's very tough to watch. Um, but you know, if, if if you can get past the how horrible some of it is and, and realize that the the message is uh, that yeah, this, this stuff is fucked up and it shouldn't be glorified. Um, I'm yeah, stuff. I'll go ahead and give it a six. Okay. Alex. Uh, I I have I gotta give it a five. It, it is a historic film. It's beautifully shot. It's got a lot of stuff going for it, but it, yeah, it's just too. It makes me way too uncomfortable. I, I can't. Like every, I think I saw it over ten years ago the first time, and now I saw it now. I think in another like ten to twelve years, I'll be ready to watch it again. So. Okay, I'm pretty much there with you. Like I, I it's a it's a five for me. I re- I really like it, but I don't like watching it that often. Like, I've had it in my collections because I feel like it should be in my collections, but it's not one where like, oh yeah, let's watch Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're studying cinema, definitely watch this. <laughs> yeah, and I do like it. Is it's definitely like, but for like rewatchability, even though I've watched it like five or six times now, it's still not one that it's every time I watch it, I feel like it's more like homework. Like you said, like you're studying for cinematography class or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't feel like something. Like, oh yeah, this is we're like The Shining and some of his other movies I'd watch. A lot. This one, no. Well, I still love it. I don't mention. Uh, I don't think anybody brought it up, but uh, show neck in uh, 1971. Oh yeah, he showed some neck. Yeah, showed and everything. Looked into a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looked into a butthole. You had giant penis statues. You had boobs. You had <laughs> bush bump. You had neck. You had everything. Yeah, I did. I did like that. Those two people that come out on stage to be shitty to him, like both give these elaborate bows when they leave. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was funny. Uh, the, the woman <laughs> on the way out like bows three times. And all she did was just like walk out there and stand there. Yeah, and that's when stupid chief got all excited mm-hmm. <laughs> when the naked girl shows up. <laughs> 
All right, what's our crossover list? You know, it should be like top five characters are really evil, but we're still rooting for. But no, what's ours going to be? Yeah, I, I don't know. Really I've cool. never rooted for it. But, uh, um, so, uh, Alex may have done a, a list about milk. We'll have to see. Um, I did. I have both. And I, I kind of, I, well, I wouldn't say vetoed, but I, I didn't feel like doing a list of top five milk scenes. Although I, <laughs> I, I can know, I, I can guarantee I can pick at least two on Alex's list. If you do All right, enough. we'll see. Yeah. Me too. Um, yeah, I don't know when I'll get the chance to do this milk list again, so can yeah. I do it? Yeah, go ahead. Instead? Yeah. I'm guessing one of them has to do with buttermilk. Anyway. Buttermilk. I, I, you know what, Scott? That was a bad choice. <laughs> oh, damn it. That didn't make my list. Oh, oh come oh. on. <laughs> Whatever, Alex. Okay, so. Well, sorry. That's so, why so, you guys should have so made the list. So what we're going with now is top five uh, sleazy bars. Um, you know, based on the I can't remember the name of the Kumarov bar, uh, Kovaran or Kavarov, something, something like that. that. He was like Russian. vaguely Russian, yeah. Um, so we'll start off with my number shout five. Shout to the bouncers and tights. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> they, they kind of dress like them, but not quite. Uh, with the uh, long johns, but uh, moving on to my number five, um. I'm gonna go with uh, Tango and Cash. Uh, were they? I, I don't know. Tango like Cash. the beginning of the third act. Um, Gosh, Tango. Tango Cash. Cash Tango. Cash, tango. <laughs> shame, shame. Don't you know ponytails are out this season? Gosh. Have we not done Tango and Cash yet? Is that not on my list? Shame, shame. I thought we did. I thought. I don't know. I'll put. It, I'm making sure it's on my list. Anyway, Let's just say we did. Right. Let's just uh, say we did. <laughs> that one's gonna be a seven. Uh, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Again, like, three quarters of the way to the movie, uh, Cash is trying to track down Tango's sister for reasons, and he goes into this bar to find her. You know, you talk about like the Cheers bar being huge. They're like a fucking like like this place is the size of like a like a a circus tent. I don't know how else to describe it. There's this huge stage <laughs> where they're like got motorcycles on ramps and giant fans. She comes out, Terry Hatcher um, comes out in a bikini and starts playing drums. But it's like one of those things where it's, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be exotic dancers, but I, I but not quite. Like I think <laughs> it's a weird Hollywood contrivance. Um, and yeah, this massive bar, and he winds up going backstage. And everybody's topless backstage because it's already a movie, and mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody says anything. This fucking random guy, although it's Kurt Russell, just walks in, and everybody's like, "Yeah, no big deal." Yeah, like, again, more Hollywood like yeah. bullshit. Uh, and then he has to cross dress to escape, uh, which is kind of funny. But uh, yeah, I don't even know the name of this bar, but it's fucking huge. It makes no sense at all. Uh, so that's my number five. Tango it's and called the TNC. Tango Cash. Cash right. Tango. Alex, number five. Uh, my number five on my milk scene list is <laughs> from did, The wait, Simpsons. Which, you did two lists, same time? No, I'll just do, I'll do honorable mentions. I'll name off my other sleazy bars like real quick at the end. No, you should do both at the same time. <laughs> okay, my number five bar is the ink and paint from Who Framed Roger well, Rabbit. Not if you're going to steal my shit. All right. <laughs> no, <laughs> veto. Just do your... <laughs> See? Just do your Just milk. Just kidding. Just go. All right. 
My number five milk scene is from The Simpsons. When Bart goes to crack his knuckles in school, he's like, ah, my bones are so brittle. But I always drink plenty of milk. <laughs> <laughs> this school is too damn cheap to buy real milk. Is that the rat milk episode? Or is that a different one? No, that's later. And later on my list, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I had a hard time with my sleazy bar list. The milk would have been actually easier for me. But... <laughs> So this, so this one came to mind, but I don't remember any of the specifics other than this is where you meet. Jesus, I don't even know her name now. Uh, you meet Jesus at his lazy bar? The, the, uh, Jessica Alba riding the bull, the bar okay. in Sin City. Oh, Katie's Club. Okay. Yeah. I don't okay. know. I, I don't even know if it's a sleazy club or not, but I just remember. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> so the bar from Sin City, I just remember her and her outfit and doing her sexy stuff. That's my number five. And the, um, what's his face? Perving on her. Hardigan. That yellow bastard. Yeah. So, all right, Scott, number four. Number four is, uh, Marion's Bar from Raiders of Lost Ark. Oh, nice. I think it's called The Raven? I'm not sure. Uh, that, that place is a fucking dive. Oh my gosh. But, uh, yep. And then, uh, we all, we all, I think we talked about this in a different list we had, like, just, like, a week or two ago. Uh, like, drinking scenes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, just, that, that, yeah, that place is just pretty much a shithole. <laughs> I can't imagine anything good ever happens in there. And, uh, sure enough, the Nazis show up. Leave it to the Nazis to be the worst thing that happens to, to a thing. Uh, Always ruining a party. Yeah. Everything. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, number four, Marion's Bar. Nice. Alex, four. My number four milk scene is from a movie you both love, Napoleon Dynamite. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> They're doing the, because they live in, uh, what's the gem state? Ohio? Iowa? I don't give a shit. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's Iowa, but I don't remember. Yeah, and they're doing the, uh, they're testing the kids to see how well they know their milks, like the defects. So Napoleon takes a drink of milk. It's like the defect in that one is bleach. <laughs> he drinks one that's slightly yellower than the other ones. It's like that one tastes like a cow went through a patch of onions. <laughs> that cracks me up. That's pretty funny. All right. You're like that one lady in Seinfeld. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> All right. My number four, don't think it has a name. And it's not so much like a dive bar, but when you said sleazy, I thought of this. And it's from the Lost in Translation, Bill Murray meets Scarlett Johansson's character. Scarlett And it's like some crazy, funky Japanese bar. And you just hear the music, <laughs> sucking on my titties. It's yeah, weird on ass a, music Sucking on. on a titty. And then I, like, they just look at each other like, do you want to get out of here? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's just some weird shit going on, but it's, the song keeps playing over and over. Sucking on my titty. <laughs> yep, that, was, that was definitely a nudie bar. That counts. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. Are you sure it wasn't count like uh, Bar USA? Could have been. <laughs> it was it lost in translation, bar. so I'm not sure. Oh. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, Scott, number three. Uh, number three, the. Uh, the best name <laughs> of a bar on this list, the Titty Twister from yep. Till Dust oh, From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, 
So that bar is also fucking massive, but that one actually, for story reasons, is that big, uh, as we find out later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the most of the movie takes place in this bar. Um, shitload of uh, things get killed. Uh, we meet we meet Sex Machine. Um, Tom Savini. Tom Savini. Uh, and the place, and it, and it has a. Uh, it, I, it was the first thing. Some hike. Which, which what came first? This Desperado, probably Desperado. I think Desperado. Yeah, yeah. but uh, mm-hmm. it's got some Hayek dancing on stage. Um, oh no, I think this came first and then Desperado because Desperado was a big break, but this was just a small role for. Her. We should have done top big snakes in movies because then you could have had this one too. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we got Cheech Marin. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck you, and then. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it just turns out that, uh, spoilers, uh, the whole thing is, uh, part of a giant pyramid. Woo! Yeah. Loaded with vampires. Filled with vampires. Or, or psychos. And then other Cheech Marin is surprised that there actually were, because he heard about it. <laughs> were those psychos or something? Psychos do not explode when light hits them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, number three, the Tinny Twister. All right. Uh, Alex, number three. My number three is, uh, well, i got to be really careful this one because this is from The Chappelle Show. <laughs> and this is from the uh, the skit where they went to the N-I-G-G-A-R family. <laughs> because Dave Chappelle plays the milkman and he's the one that delivers. He's like, oh, are these the people from Ricky's Dice Game? No, no, the ones from the <laughs> from the milk route. Yeah, we can't we can't tell any of the jokes in that skit on here. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch it, people. It's racist. It's hilarious. Yeah. And there's milk in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a funny milk scene from the the Puff Daddy. Oh, damn it! Yeah, he wants some cam- uh, milk from a Cambodian woman. Yeah, it's the only way he'll open up the studio. <laughs> damn, Doug, that's real ass Cambodian. I spit hot fire. <laughs> All right, uh, my number three, Alex already mentioned it, would be the Ink and Paint Club. Don't know how sleazy or divey it is, but it's got Jessica Rabbit singing in it, so. There's a patty cake going on, if you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly, there's yeah. a patty cake, it's a big uh, gorilla bouncer, you got uh, penguins serving. Uh, rocks in your drinks. <laughs> rocks in your drinks. You got Betty Boop selling cocktails, cigarettes, so yeah, yeah it definitely counts. Um. I always, did, right. I always did really like that that she and Eddie knew each other. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, that's a great movie. All right. Scott, number two. Number two. Um, I'll, I'll just beat Jeff to the punch. <gasps> and uh, go with the Mose Eisley Cantina. Uh, hive of scum and villainy. Um, is this on your list, Jeff? Maybe. All right. I'll let you talk more about it. But... Uh, <laughs> A lot of stuff going on here. Uh, iconic music, some of the monsters, or monsters, aliens. Um, Han Solo and the Greedo. Who shoots first? And then, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let Jeff talk about it more. But yeah, MR2 is the Mosaic's the Canteen. I recommend the Jury Juice. Mm. All right, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, number two. 
My number two is, again, from The Simpsons, and Scott called it at the beginning, it's the Milking Rats episode, <laughs> where Fat Tony's delivering milk for the school children, and uh, he's getting paid by the mayor, and it turns out he's got a very elaborate <laughs> milking room, like a tiny little milkers for the rats. It's hilarious and disgusting at the same time. And then Homer, go- when he learns this, he goes to school, <laughs> to uh, Springfield Elementary, and sees Bart <laughs> drinking milk, but it's going through one of those crazy straws, straw the loops. So he's like, oh no, <laughs> he's got to get to Bart before it reaches his lips. <laughs> he just slaps it out of his hand. He's like, hey, I traded my math book for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want you drinking milk anymore, <laughs> milk house. Can I still drink it? Here, go nuts. All right. <laughs> Did you call it milk house? Milk. No, but I should have. Millhouse. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's great. That's a great episode. Alright, my number two, um, and you guys are going to have to help me out with the name here, but I think it's called Venusville from Total Recall. Uh, I didn't called? know the name of it. Damn it. Oh, I, damn it. I thought about that yeah. one, but I couldn't remember the name, so I moved on. That's yeah, more of a diner. <laughs> it's a bar and restaurant. Yeah. It's a bar. Come on. It's yeah. uh yeah you see girls with three boobs you see uh midgets you see guys with uh messed up faces you see uh, that's where Quato lives come on got some nerve showing your face around here who's talking oh sick burn by Arnie yeah but mm-hmm. okay. I think it's Venusville but I'm not positive on that but yeah the bar from the original Total Recall I don't know if it was in the bullshit remake but the Arnie Sharon Stone. I think it's Val Venus. It's Val Venus. Yeah. That's sleazy, all right. (laughs) All right, Scott, number one. All right, so my number one is a movie that's near and dear to my heart, uh, which should also be on my list if we haven't talked about it. Uh, And that would be The Double Deuce from... uh, Again, this this should be on the FI Top 100 movies. Yeah. it's Roadhouse, like four or five. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's about top five, probably. It's probably <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, the the whole movie revolves around this bar in Kansas City, or someplace outside of Kansas City. Uh, they weren't really clear on. They they were like supposed to be in the middle of nowhere, and yet there's like a car dealership and J.C. Penney's apparently. But <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of sleazy stuff going on in this bar at the beginning. But uh, Patrick Swayze comes and he's the cooler, and. Uh, he unsleazifies it, unfortunately. Um, but there's a lot of violence in the in the process, so it never quite <laughs> Patrick reaches. Swayze bar rescue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it is funny. He 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 gets brought into like basically like stop everybody from breaking the place every night, and he winds up like actually like redecorating it and and like like training the bartenders, and it's just kind of weird. Uh, yeah, and getting Sam Neil killed. No, not Sam. Sam Elliott killed. Getting. <laughs> Well, he probably Sorry, did. I was, watching, yeah. <laughs> I was yes. watching Jurassic Park earlier today. <laughs> Got Sam Neill on the brain. Uh, and Not in Horizon. <laughs> and, it's, and it's because of this movie that, that, that we learned that uh, pain does not hurt. Liberate me. So yes, the double deuce. Yeah, pain don't hurt. In, uh, nice. From, from Roadhouse is my number one. Add that to your list, Scott. I have never seen Roadhouse. Really? <gasps> yeah. Oh, I just Shit. I just spoiled like the whole thing for you, too. Damn it. I wasn't listening. That's <laughs> Oh, that's good. I mean, it's I know about pop, pop culture about it. I know stuff. Oh man, this movie is like a, a seven and a half. Oh man, I I know it's my dad even like burned a copy for me to watch. I never <laughs> got around to watch it. <laughs> All right, Scott or Alex, number one. My number one 
And this is like my <laughs> besides the one in uh, A Clockwork Orange, which is which should be my number one, but it's ex- excluded from this list. Is from Terminator Two <laughs> when the dead beat Foster dead. She's yelling at Wolfie to shut up. Damn dog. And then the T-1000 just impales him through the milk carton. Yeah. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Milk dripping all over the place. His hand is still hanging onto the carton when it just hangs down limp. Gross. Wolfie's fine, dear. Where are you? Nice. Alright, so for your milk list, you don't have Inglorious Bastards. Yep. Or Ron Burgundy. Or... Correct. Or True Lies. True lies. True lies. Yeah. <laughs> Bill. What? Bill Paxton. Talking to Arnie. Oh, <laughs> Make you beg for buttermilk. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! Well, I know that's like it's like I know that's like your if you had top if Alex had top five movie lines that'd be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> or top five buttermilk scenes. You yeah. Saved yeah. That Damn it! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, my number one is Moss Ice League. Spaceport Cantina, whatever it is called. It's got the music. You got you meet Han Solo and Chewbacca, and you get to see the first use of a lightsaber, and, and all sorts of Richard Hive and scum and villainy, like you said. And uh, come on, it's awesome. It's that's why everyone wants the new Star Wars land, like Alex was saying. Everyone just wants to go to the Cantina because it's awesome. I don't like you either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Your favorite bartender, Wur or Akmina? Yeah, and that blue milk wasn't even in your top five list. What the hell's wrong with you? Because I try to exclude Star Wars because they would be on every one of my lists. So like that's a bad thing. <laughs> um, yeah, there it is. Uh, that's all I got. Uh, John Wick. I had an honorable mention the John Wick bar. John Wick. Super that's hot. The bar, but whatever that the with, with the super attractive bartender. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's like every bartender usually. You know. Well, in that anyway. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. Two bars that you guys didn't mention are uh, the tavern where they find Conan the Barbarian sleeping in soup. Okay. And uh, Patty's Pub. Oh, that should be number one. Especially where they go no rules. <laughs> that episode where they go no rules in the bar and people are shooting up heroin. And the McPoyles are at, hey, where's your pledge? Hey, you should have had them for your milk, too. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Alex is failing left, right, and center. <laughs> Jeeva Sage, yeah, McPoyles. <laughs> Got any milk? <laughs> uh, oh, damn it. There it is. Yeah, I mean, it could have the Prancing Pony, maybe. I don't know if it's sleazy, but it was definitely... Yeah, I'd the green, it. The Green Dragon. Is it the pr- What's the Prancing Pony, then? No, that is the Prancing Pony. No, the Prancing pony. Pony's there, but they also have another bar called the Green oh, they Dragon. Talk, they, they have a song about it. Which one of them's in Hobbiton, and then the other one is just outside, right? And yeah, the the one in um, fuck, uh, in the big people town, the Daikini town. Daikini, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one's the uh, fancy pony. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's time for Alex knows sports. I'm Alex, and I like sports. Sports, Bo. Well, I know you guys have been following this closely, but maybe for our listeners, uh, they haven't heard, but the top-seeded Oklahoma was forced into a doubleheader after dropping its first game against Alabama 1-0 in eight innings. 
Is this like a uh, sounding like a Jeopardy question? I don't. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about women's softball, of course. Okay. Uh, yeah, things are heating up. The homer gave Oklahoma a four-one lead that it would never lose in an eventual seven-three victory over Alabama. I'm so take that, Southerners. <laughs> so, is that for the whole thing? Is that no? This is set up for. Uh, this is just in the playoffs. Okay, the so final showdown. So, goes down oh well. Later. I'm. Who do you think is going to win it all, Alex? Uh, I don't know. Probably. Yeah, I'm going to go with UCLA, just because they're the hometown. There you go. The team from Ukla. Ukla. You clowns last again. Oh. Oh. It's time for Neum News. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, did anybody watch the Deadwood movie? No. I've never nope. seen the show. Hey. Oh. Yeah, me either. Oh. I gotta catch okay. up. Well, the, the Deadwood movie premiered um, this past Friday as, as of the recording of, of this podcast on on HBO. Uh, that's where the, the series originated from. And yeah, I need to, to catch up on the show. I don't think I watched every episode. And even even so, it had been a really long time. Uh, but it's Ian McShane's in it, though. Timothy Oliphant. Elephant, however it's pronounced. Uh, Look, Mr. Frodo. Oliphant. <laughs> yes. Uh, so... I'm looking forward to getting around to that eventually. Um, let's see, I think I mentioned John Wick three mm-hmm. uh, last week. Did either of you catch it in the interim? No, not yet. Nope, nope. All right. Uh, yeah, it's it was a busy week for me, so I don't have much to talk about. Right. Uh, <laughs> Alex, anything uh, you wanted to go over? Yeah, as I said before, I got Sam Neill on the brain because I just saw Jurassic Park earlier today with the family, and it's still awesome. (laughs) I recommend it. Your kids can handle it? Not too scary? Yeah, it's not too scary. They still close their eyes at some of the parts that they know are coming up. Okay. uh, Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's great. Damn it. Nah, never mind. That's it. (laughs) All right. Uh, pseudo pseudo review for me. Now that I think about it, I had on uh, Red Riding Hood, <laughs> kind of on in the background, uh, and I watched the better part of it. Uh, that was a fairly recent adaptation. You know, everybody was trying to cash in on the whole. Oh, like this is like the Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. That that whole YA thing. The the young adult. The they're trying to cash in on the. Um, uh, the vamp Twilight. Twi- thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and all the Twilight stuff. So this was like that version of that with Amanda Seyfried. And uh yeah, I think it's it's safe for everybody to skip it. Just in case anybody was <laughs> was real hot to watch this movie. Um yeah, it's Is she like Red Riding Hood from Dark Stalkers the video game and she has Uzis in her basket? No, no, unfortunately. No. Uh <laughs> Yeah, this is a very mediocre movie. Uh, so Jeff, anything you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I, uh, this is my second, this is the Pent Ultimate Report on Gotham. I Ooh. have <laughs> watched everything but the final episode, and it's looking like to be a good one. Uh, yeah, and then, um, I'll be happy not to report about it anymore, but I still enjoy hate watching it. Uh, I started watching a hand, Handmaid's Tale. Okay. 
it's a it's a weird it's a weird one. Um, Looks like it's a hard watch. Left. Yeah. Um, and what else? I think that's it. I started playing. So I don't know if we mentioned this in the podcast, but for my birthday we went to a game bar and we they, we uh, game. We were, I was it was a game bar, <laughs> you went not to a the game Falcon? bar. Yeah. <laughs> the pipe fitters union. Yeah. <laughs> and I was introduced to Scott knew what these were, but uh, this game called Overcooked. And oh, <laughs> you played Overcooked for the first time. Yeah, and then That's intense. Also, the Jackbox games or whatever. So over the past couple weeks, I've downloaded and got played those. So we had a party last weekend. We all played Jackbox. That was really fun. Yeah, Jackbox is awesome. And then today, Laura and I have been playing like Overcooked all day. It's pretty fun. We're yelling yeah, at each other. Still together. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! Put it in the dish. Did you have to, did the you, plates. Did you have to pull out the fire extinguisher, Jeff? <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of it on yeah, my end. So, that's a great uh, little game. Yeah. Is yeah. Overcooked 2 worth it? Yeah. I mean, okay. if you like the first one, it's it's kind of like... I, I, obviously, it's going to be a lot of more of the same, but, you know, new maps. I, I heard they made some improvements to it. Okay. Um, like I haven't personally mm-hmm. spent much time with it, but... Uh, it amps up some of the difficulty where some of the map you you have to stay in one half of your kitchen and the other one, and then they move they like change different levels, so you can only pass each other food like at certain time intervals. It's crazy. Yeah, so ba- yeah. basically, if you like like all the stuff going on this one, it's just like a different like yeah, you're just mostly getting different maps. I would imagine okay. different kind of. So I guess just a quick review for people who don't know what it is. It's a game. It's just like four players locally, right? And you can just. You have to. They give you a recipe, and you have to feed uh, your kitchen or your employees or your sorry, your customers. And so, someone has to chop the lettuce. Someone has to chop the tomatoes. You got to put it the right way. You got to clean the dishes. You got to cook the meat. You got to. And so, it's a lot of coordination with your friends in the room and everything. And, yeah, and, it, and it's like a super cute, user friendly like UX. Yeah. yeah, it's like two buttons. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I recommend it. It's a good party game when you have people over. Or yeah, not, yeah, it's a total co op. Too, which is, is which I like. Yeah, I tried playing by myself, and it was impossible. And I don't even <laughs> think it was meant to be done that way. Yeah, <laughs> like they throw another character on the screen; it doesn't even do anything. <laughs> Get in the way. Um, okay. Um, all right. Oh, I I did do my second viewing of uh, Endgame, and I still. So I, basically, I pretty much had the same reactions to everything, with a couple of exceptions. Um, you know, I. I was reading online about how they should spoilers, spoilers for Endgame. If anybody's still listening, uh, yeah, uh, give me enough time. Yeah, um, stuff that happens with uh, Scarlet Widow. Uh, Scarlet Widow. Damn it! They pulled a Jeff. Scarlet yeah, pulled a pulled a pulled a Jeff. God damn it! Uh, with Black Widow, <laughs> um, how? Yeah, there there is like a scene of them kind of like taking stock of what happened to her. But she doesn't get like the huge like fanfare funeral thing, and I, I think that's kind of fucked up. Um, yeah, and and I get it that you know there is no as of yet there is no uh, Black Widow movie, and he's kind of been one of the central points of all these films. Um, but still, like it almost felt like they kind of did service to her. Uh, like after that scene, it was like they barely mentioned her again. Other than uh, Bruce saying something, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, this time I did not make it all the way through without having to pee. <laughs> but but like it wasn't even halfway through the movie, and I'm like, oh god, 
And, but that was like a good point, and I ran out. And then I had to go again, like, but it was right before all the, the final climax was happening, and I'm like, uh, fuck it. And so I was just squirming in my seat until they got finished with all the signatures, which I'm a sucker for. And then, and then I was, and then knowing that there was no stinger, I was able to run out of the theater. But, um, yeah, I still have a hard time just comparing it to anything else. Um, I think at this point I would say that as like a film, like from, with the beginning, middle, and end, that, uh, Infinity War is better. Um, but I still, there's, there's so much, like it almost feels like a series of vignettes, uh, that Endgame does. Where it's like, okay, this awesome thing happens, and then this awesome thing happens. So, yeah, that's, Kind of where I come at it. So I'll have to wait like six months from now when I'm watching it on Blu-ray to really <laughs> form a full opinion on it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to wait six months. It'll probably be out in two months. Yeah. Still in, Digital st- still in the theater. Yeah. yeah. So it's Captain Marvel, and Captain Marvel's already out on Blu-ray. So. That's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm on, uh, was at a, a friend's barbecue on, on Saturday, and uh, they popped in Captain Marvel for the kids. I was like confused at first. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it came out in February. <laughs> Remember when VHSs used to take two years to come out? Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep, that's all I want to talk about. Uh, you good, Jeff? Yep. Thanks right. for listening, everybody. Drink your milk. Gotta keep them separated. We at Hans Shop First would like to thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to contact us on Facebook and Twitter at Hans Shop First. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are greatly appreciated and help us get more exposure. Once again, thanks for listening and supporting the podcast.